the Public News Service Daily Newscast, November the 11th, 2021. I'm Mike Clifford. More than 800 public school teachers and paraprofessionals in the Scranton School District are entering their seventh day of a strike. As a result of stagnant wages, expensive health insurance plans, and four years without a contract. Union members say the district's health care proposal from its financial recovery plan may result in higher out-of-pocket costs. Combined with no increase in salaries since 2016, Scranton Federation of Teachers President Rosemary Boland says it's resulted in educators leaving the district. And now we can't attract nor can we retain any new staff. Teachers and parents just don't want to work here anymore because they can't afford it. They can't afford to work in the district where their salary hasn't changed in five years. It's impossible. They have bills too. They have homes. They have mortgages like everybody else. Boland says the district has lost more than 100 teachers and paraprofessionals over the last two years. In a recent statement, the Scranton School District said they're committed to reaching a fair and sustainable contract with the union so students can get back in the classroom. I'm Emily Scott. By the way, the Scranton School District has been in financial recovery status since January 2019 via the Department of Education. CNN reports a New Jersey gym owner and former MMA fighter who punched a police officer during the January 6th riot was sentenced to 41 months in prison Wednesday, becoming the first rioter sentenced for violence against the police during the attack. The defendant, Scott Fairlamb, pleaded guilty in August to assaulting a police officer and obstructing an official proceeding. CNN notes he has been in jail since he was arrested in late January and won't get credit for the time he's already spent behind bars. He is also the first right defendant to plead guilty to assault. On this Veterans Day, Americans who honor those who served in the military also can celebrate news of the National Medal of Honor Museum set to break ground in Arlington, Texas, next year. Museum CEO Chris Cassidy says exhibits will acknowledge those who earned the highest military award for valor in combat. In addition to memorabilia, it will share the stories of medal recipients. Who are those people? And that's what we want to inspire Americans to go in and see those stories. You know, not everybody's going to be on the battlefield, but everybody can take a little nugget of each story and apply it to their their normal everyday life. Of the 4,000 soldiers who received the medal, Cassidy says only 66 are still living. I'm Roz Brown. Museum supporters have contributed nearly $124 million of the $185 million needed so far. This is PNS. In the state of Maine, providers of substance abuse treatment and some other behavioral health services are seeing a major increase in reimbursement rates that went into effect this month. But advocates for mental health support say many agencies are facing major workforce shortages and other crises that are preventing them from billing at all with the new rates. Oliver Burdine runs Milestone, a nonprofit that helps people facing homelessness and addiction. It's one of the few medically monitored withdrawal centers in Maine, often known as detox centers. Even with the increased rates, we're still struggling with workforce. And I know that's a common theme with the added level of COVID being a challenge. There's just such a nursing shortage that it's hard to attract new talent from the nursing field. He says their detox is currently closed because of those staffing shortages. He adds while the upped rates are a step in the right direction, it could take time for providers who've been struggling to use them. I'm Lily Bolke reporting. 
All right, Tegenhoff reports communities dealing with the impacts of climate change in Washington State are watching legislation in Washington, D.C. closely. People on the front lines of climate change largely are made up of communities of color, lower-income communities, and indigenous people. Derek Gruen is co-executive director of Front and Centered, a coalition of groups in Washington state. He says these are the communities that should be considered first as Congress hammers out details on climate action. We have to keep up the energy level, keep attention on the communities most impacted as the bellwether and those that are going to be the first and able to judge around what's effective and equitable and continue continuing to double down on our intention in our approach to effectiveness. Gruen says investments at the community scale, such as in solar projects for low-income communities, are vital for ensuring people on the front lines receive the most benefit from climate action. And finally, Mike Moen tells us North Dakota's special session getting attention for issues outside of the original agenda. Some lawmakers are pushing for changes they feel would clamp down on potential election fraud. Others question the need for such a debate. A year after the 2020 presidential vote, proposals are still surfacing on making procedural changes in handling elections. In North Dakota, new ideas that were floated include bypassing the Secretary of State and examining local results deemed questionable and adding fraud detection elements to ballots. Terry Trainer of the North Dakota Association of Counties says county auditors and state officials already do a good job preventing fraud. I, I think it's very secure. And for North Dakota, I certainly don't see where we have those sorts of concerns. The Republican House member leading these efforts acknowledges the uphill battle in getting the bills passed during special session. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service, heard on great radio stations. Find our trust indicators online at publicnewsservice.org. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.